0: Friends, Hey, if you want to make your way back to your chair, um, we are short on time and we've got lots of things to get to. Uh, so I'm gonna get you guys to jump in. So hey, grab your Bibles or get out your Bible or your phone and go to the app. Uh, connect to riverside.com, scroll the bottom, hit the Bible app. Great way for you to follow along and take notes with us this morning. We are in Romans chapter 10. We have been setting aside a whole year to go through the book of Romans. Um, we have said, kind of our rally cry from the very beginning has said, if you want the best water from the well, you don't dig the well out, you dig the well deep. And Romans is a deep dive into what exactly is the gospel of Jesus. Chapter 8 is considered by most theologians, scholars uh, across you know time and history, has been known as the greatest chapter in all of the Bible, where we find out that you are deeply loved by the creator of all. That there is nothing, literally nothing that you can do that would ever separate you from the very love of God. Chapter 9, we looked at, was sometimes considered a very difficult text, where we talked about God's choice. How before you did anything, God pre-loved you. You didn't have to dust yourself off, clean yourself up, but God pre-loved you. He chose you. And then chapter 10 was how do our chapter the backside of nine was how do we respond to God's offer that yes we are pre-loved but we have the ability to say thanks but no thanks or we can give God our next best yes and so that's where we've been in Romans we're going to be in uh, chapter 10 this morning so let's pray as we jump into God's word together God we love you God we know that um, your word is alive and active and it speaks and so may it speak to us this morning God we make room for you I got nothing good to say apart from you God, so may your words be in my mouth as we wrestle with your scripture. It's in Christ's name. Amen. So friends, uh, one of the favorite things that I get to do is uh, just uh, right before Valentine's, I got to go to breakfast with one of my all-time favorite people in in the church. His name uh, is Pappy Jack. Does anybody know Pappy Jack in here? He is one of my favorite people. He, oh, he's in his early 80s right now, and uh, he is what... he's probably more inappropriate than most teenagers you know, which makes Pappy a lot of fun to be around. Like, Pappy, you can't say that thing anymore. It's inappropriate, and he is the best. In my phone, I have him labeled the dirtbag. You know, it's the type of relationship I get to have with him. He is a lot of fun. He's in his early 80s, and, you know, in his younger days, he was wild, chasing women, living large, and, oh, maybe 20, 25 years ago, um, all that changed for Pappy he fell in love and met his beautiful bride named Karen, and they were married for close to over 20 years, and she passed away just a couple of years ago, and uh, since then, Pappy's kind of had a little bit of a rough road. Just this last year, maybe six months ago, he ended up in the uh, hospital, and he was parked there for a couple of weeks, and he got out, and he's fine, and he graciously told his kids, do you think it's time for me to go into a home to an assisted living? And they said, we do. And so now Pappy, now Pappy lives in a Catholic assisted living home where he commonly refers to himself as the young stud of the the nursing home. And what's even greater about that, two things, two fun things. One is He's surrounded by Catholic, ex-Catholic nuns, like retired nuns, which he thinks is hilarious. And then the second thing is, he's got one of his ex-wives in there, too. I'm like, "Pappy, that's awesome. He is in hog heaven over there. So I got to, uh, I got to go take him to breakfast uh, right before Valentine's. And Pap, where do you want to go? Let's go to gyms. So we went to gym's over on Broadway, and I'm eating lunch with him. And you need to go to lunch with, you need to know these type of people. You need to spend time with them. Pappy, what's going on? Oh, John, I just want to know what my purpose is in life. <laughs> like, what am I supposed to be doing with the gift that God has given me? And I'm like, Pappy, you old, man. What are you talking about? What is your purpose in life? You're The door is right there, man. You're about there. And he laughs and laughs. Oh, man, as long as there's air in my lungs, John, the Lord has got something for me to do. And I'm like, oh, so refreshing to be around somebody that like that, that's got fire at, in his early 80s and You know, over the course of our conversation, the conversation took a tender turn because it was right before Valentine's. And he, if you know Pappy, he's a crybaby, and he gets all teary-eyed and says, I just miss my bride. And I wish that I could just tell her one more time how much I love her. And he says, every year on Valentine's, I used to write her love letters. And just give them to her on Valentine's. And I used to dote on her and tell her all the things I thought about her. And then you know what that guy did to me, that jerk? (laughs) He stuck it to me. When was the last time you wrote your wife a love letter, John? I said, I'm a horrible individual, Pappy. And uh, you know what I did that night? I wrote her a love letter. And I stuck it in her computer bag. And it was just two or three lines of things that I think about her but I hadn't said lately. And so when she got to school and opened it up, it was in there. And I've been thinking a lot about what Pappy said to me. He said, John, it doesn't matter if you think it a thousand times if you don't say it. And I thought, oh, that's so good, Pappy. Pappy understood that there is this love of God that just, the love for his bride that just sits inside of him, but it also wants to flow through him. And what I think we're going to see this morning is it's, true for us in our relationship with God, too. It's the words that Paul is going to echo to us as well, is that the love of God is not just something that's in you, but that God wants to flow it through you now, that you have been extravagantly loved by the creator of the universe, and that love now doesn't just rest on you, but it wants to flow through you. Paul might say it this way. He said, there ain't no bench players. Everybody gets to participate. Everybody's on the floor Because you've been that loved by Christ. And so let's look a little bit. Let's jump into it and look at what Paul says to us this morning. Romans 10, starting in verse 14. How then can they call on the one who they've not believed in? And how can they believe in the one who they have not called? And so what do we call the gospel message? We call it the good news. And I think what Paul would be arguing to us this morning is it's not good news if it doesn't get to the people. And he is encouraging us. It's how can they believe in one that, who has not been, that we have not been sent to? You've got to tell the people you love that you love them, echoing the words of Pappy. And I've been reading some, uh, if you don't do this regularly, go read it. Ed- Old, dead theologians. They are fantastic. They are like some of the original rage-against-the-machine, guerrilla, Warfare type people where they were changing culture and society and the way we think about God in such a profound way. And I ran across this idea from Martin Luther, and look at what he said. He said this, echoing the words of Paul, it wouldn't matter if Jesus died a thousand times if no one ever heard about him. It wouldn't matter if Jesus died a thousand times if nobody ever heard about him. Or as Pappy would say it, you can't just think it, you got to say it. And you say it with your words and you say it with your life. And so Paul has kind of been echoing this same idea since the beginning of, chapter, uh, beginning of Romans in chapter 1. He says, uh, in chapter 1, he says, I am under obligation to the Greek and to the uh, barbarians to the wise and to the ignorant and he says he's under obligation to preach the gospel to these people and what's interesting about Paul is he's never even met these people these are strangers to him and yet Paul says that he's obligated that word obligated there carries with it this idea of that he's in debt to them he owes them uh he's in debt he's indebted to the gospel and so when we talk about debt there's two different types of debt there's There's like the type of debt that you and I are real familiar with where we need a new car and we need that nice new car. So we go to the bank, we take out more money than we probably should and we go buy that nice thing and we are in debt to the bank. We got to pay that back. That's one type of debt. But Paul says that's not the type of debt you and I have. We carry a different debt. You see, our debt is not that we owe somebody something back. It's that you and I have been given so much. Um, think of it this way. We have a bunch of us that are going to uh, run the uh, San Antonio Marathon next week with World Vision. They're like the number one clean provider of water in the world. We love World Vision. Well, imagine that you are going to be running with them, and I write you a $10,000 check. Now, that's not going to happen. But if I, say, if I wrote you a $10,000 check and gave it to you, and you deposited it in your bank account, and you sat on it for a day, no problem. No big deal. Well, what if you sat on it for a week? What if you sat on it for a month? Like what if you sat on it for like a year? You know what you would say to me? What I would say to you? What are you doing? <laughs> that money is not yours. I did not give you that money so that you could keep it. That money is intended for somebody else. And that's what Paul's saying to us too. That the gospel has been given to you, and now you are in debt to that gospel. Paul is saying you have been given so very much. You've heard the good news of Jesus Christ, and it's not because you deserved it, and not because you're that awesome. Not that you achieved God, but he achieved you. He moved heaven and earth to reach you, not because of your goodness, but because of his goodness. And now Paul says, listen, with hearing the gospel comes an obligation to the gospel. And to hold the gospel in, to not spread the gospel with your life, to not speak the gospel out, is stealing something that does not belong to you. It's been given to you at the highest price. It's like somebody, you have just won the lotto of lotto and it's sitting in your account and Paul is saying, what are you going to do? You're a debtor. What are you going to do about the goodness that has been given unto you? And I've been thinking about this idea a lot lately. It's this idea of to you or through you. Um, track with me on this. I'm not sure it's right, but I think it is actually. I wonder if this is, uh, this is the key to unlocking so much of our health and our, and our journey with Jesus. You see, I think we get a lot of things confused that we think things are to us rather than through us. Here's what I mean. So uh, imagine that you, uh, God has given you a job and resources and all of these different um, uh, tools at your disposal. Imagine the individual that says, thank you, Lord, I got mine. Like, it's mine, I got it. Like, where's the transformational power in that? But when it gets fun, when life begins to flow, is when you begin to see that, man, it's, God has just not given you all this stuff to you. But God wants to now take that stuff and let it flow through you. Where everything you have belongs to Him. It's not just about you. You don't take center stage, but it now it flows through you. And you see all of your stuff just as tools to bring in the kingdom of heaven. Or... Maybe uh, you have experienced a really great small group of community. We call them life groups around here. And you're like, oh, this life group is so good. I'm so glad I found my way into it, right? That's, that's to you. That's a gift that's been given to you. But imagine when that gift doesn't begin to flow through you. Well, I've got my friends. I've got my little circle. I'm plugged in, and I'm good. But I believe that God gives us every gift, not just to us, but he, now he wants to flow that through us. And I believe that's, that, that's what Paul is saying about the gospel that has been given. Now, we say it around here is, once you were the mission, and now you're on mission. Once God's heart was purposed on you, you were the lost son, you were the lost daughter, and now you get to be invited into the mission. And I believe that's what Paul is telling us. Let's look at the backside of verse 14. It said this, and how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are being sent? As it's written, this is awesome. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. And so what Paul is encouraging us, what he's writing us, he's saying, listen, I never intended for you to build these mega churches and just see how many people you could stuff in them. I never asked you to do that, but I did ask you to live a transformed life, empowered by the Power of the Holy Spirit that everyday ordinary people like you and me are going out and claiming people for the kingdom of heaven. I believe that's what is on God's heart and so. The only way for that to actually happen is, as Paul says, you have to speak it out. It's through the proclamation of the gospel. And if you know me, like I grew up in Young Life World, I love Young Life, some of my favorite ministry, Uh, and I love their heart because they're all about relationships, about getting to know people, and about um, really digging in and being face-to-face and uh, talking about the gospel that way. But I think Paul would say to us, Paul would say to that, listen, listen. If all you ever do is lead with your actions and don't ever speak it, what you're telling people is that the gospel is what you do. It's not just the seed that's been sown inside of you. And so what I believe Paul is saying is like those things got to be married or we could say it like your actions should open the doorway for you to speak about the gospel, for you to speak the name of Jesus. I fall into this. Tell me if it's just me. But I fall into this temptation to think, well, I'm a really good person. Like, I live a pretty good life. Like, I treat people really well. And somehow I think I've preached the gospel by doing that. And I believe that what Paul is inviting us to say, listen, there is this beauty and fullness when those things come together. Where you and I live lives that open the door for us to speak the name of Jesus. Now, question for you. Not accusation, invitation, okay? When was the last time... That you spoke to somebody about Jesus. <laughs> like, when was the last time you said, Me too? I got lots of doubts. I got lots of questions. But you know what I love about God? Those questions, He's not afraid of. And it, I don't get to back up, but I bring all my questions forward, and I'm getting to know about Jesus. Like, when was the last time you said, Oh, oh, that's not true about you. Let me tell you what God believes about you. Like, when was the last time that you got to actually speak about the transformational power of Jesus in your own life? A lot of us will say, I'm just not comfortable doing that. And here's the truth. I've said it multiple weeks. Ain't nobody go to the gym to be comfortable. You go to the gym to do the work, to get in shape to be healthy, Jesus says that I will send you the comforter or the Holy Spirit to comfort you. Why? Because he knows you're going to be uncomfortable. That's part of the gig. That's part of what you signed up for is that you will be uncomfortable because I think all of us, we have to start with this assumption that God is up to something, that God's heart is always uh, desiring to win people back to bring them into relationship with him. And so you pray, Lord, would you include me? Whatever you're doing today, God, I just want to be included in whatever is on your agenda today, God. And we start with the assumption that God is stirring up things in other people around us. We live in a world of opportunities for us to speak the name of Jesus. We see this in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 10. There's a real short story about a man named Cornelius, and I want to read to you real quick. It says this, At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian regiment. He and his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day, at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius! And Cornelius stared at him in fear, which is always like the natural response when you see an angel, which people are like, I see angels in the room, I'm like... But nobody's afraid. Like, that's not what I see. What is it, Lord, he asked. The angel appeared. Your prayers and your gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Next slide. Now send a man to Joppa to go get a man named Peter. Go get Peter. And so what's going on? What's the framing of the story? Listen to this. There is a good, moral man that has some sort of general belief in God. And it shows up in his life. You see it in the scripture. It says that he gave alms to the poor. He is in the temple. For us, we might say something like this. Yeah, he's a pretty good dude. Like, he goes to church. Like, he, like, thinks that's an important thing to do. But what you see in the scripture is that even though he's a morally good man, he's missed the gospel. He's missed the intimate connection with Jesus. And so he's visited by this angel um, to go proclaim the gospel Um, By a man named Peter, and so what I think is so fascinating about this story is a couple things. Did you notice that the angel didn't talk about the gospel to Cornelius? Wouldn't that have been much nicer? (laughs) Like if you saw an angel come to you and say, "I have good news about a man named Jesus Christ," don't you think that would have been more impactful? But no, somehow I don't know. Tell me how I don't. I don't understand how it works. But like God said, no, like it's off limits. The only people that God wants to, the only way that the gospel all through the book of Acts ever gets proclaimed is by people, by you and by me. It's off limits for angels to do it, which I think is hilarious. And so the angel uh, sends for Peter. Peter comes and notice the power in the story is not just what it says, but what it doesn't say. And it does not say that he goes to Cornelius and says, Cornelius, you're a really good guy. I'm real proud of you, man. Thank you for being religious. No. Peter goes to Cornelius and the scripture, he goes back and he drops like this sermon on him and lays out the full gospel of Jesus Christ. He talks about Jesus' life, he talks about Jesus' death, and he points him to the resurrection. And then look at how he closes out the sermon. He says this, all the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of their sins through his name of Jesus Christ. If any commands Cornelius, get up and go be baptized. Or you could say, put on Christ. Powerful. Not you're just a good guy and you're doing really good things, but you've missed out on the goodness of the good news of Jesus Christ. Question for us this morning. Do you ever think it's possible that God is stirring up Cornelius's all around us? That the reason, as we talk about this this morning, and you're getting like, man, I, yeah, I'm tracking, I'm tracking. Do you ever think that maybe God is doing that in you because he's stirring up Cornelius's all around you? Because haven't you met Cornelius's? I've met them. Like some of my closest friends to this very day are, or used to be Cornelius's, where they were really good guys guys that had general knowledge about God that even would show up for church like on the special occasions, but that they missed the gospel invitation completely. But over time and through our friendship and over conversations and over spending lots and lots of time together, there's opportunities to speak about the good news of Jesus Christ. They are everywhere, and everywhere. Cornelius' pop up. And if Romans is true, then you can't go back to your normal. You can't, you gotta go to the gym. You gotta be willing to be uncomfortable. You gotta be willing to be stretched. You gotta be willing to be uh, pulled apart so that the Holy Spirit can come and empower you to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, Joseph Stalin, who I usually don't quote on Sunday mornings, (laughs) said this, the death of one is a tragedy. But the death of a million is just a statistic. And I thought, oh man, people aren't statistics. They aren't just numbers. You have never locked eyes with somebody that does not bear the image of their creator. That every single person you lock eyes with belongs to him. On Sunday, uh, my life group was at uh, Morisco's which is like my favorite place to go eat. It's just that one Mexican seafood on 281. Love it. So our life group has a lot of kids around and we have 20 kids all under most of them are in middle school and under a couple high schoolers. And so we don't go anywhere without a playground. Bad idea. So Mariscos has a playground. We're there. We're hanging out for a couple hours and it's time to go. Alright, let's round up the kids. Where are they? And Ryan's kind of hanging out, holding some of the babies in the group. And, hey, go, f- go find Maggie for us. All right. She comes back. Dad, Maggie and McKaylin are not on the playground. All right, baby girl, why don't you go, uh, go check the restroom? I'm sure they're up in the restroom. Comes back a couple minutes later. Dad, they're not in the restroom. Oh, Maggie and mckaylin they're very mischievous. This is not an uncommon, th- uncommon thing for us. And so I'm like they're probably out front. So I walk out front because there's a bench out there that they like to like climb on and grab the ceiling and hang from. It's it's bad news. And they're not out front. And at this time I'm like, "Huh, I'm getting nervous." You know that parents that happened where you misplaced one of your kids where I'm starting to get nervous. So I go back to the playground. Gone, not there. The panic sets in and I think, "Oh my gosh. I need to dial 911. Where are my kids?" at this time, my life group is like combing Morisco's, Maggie, McKaylin, where are you? Maggie, McKaylin, nowhere to be found. Now, question for you. You know what I didn't do? I didn't say, hey, everybody, come over here. Let's get together and let's pray about what we should do. <laughs> How stupid would that have been? Like, you don't even have to pray about it. You know what you're supposed to do. Now, take that example and overlay it with your life. How many of us walk around saying, I don't know what my purpose is. I don't know what I should be doing with my life. Y'all, it's a pretty ridiculous question because Jesus loves to find misplaced things. There is really no reason to pray about it because here, all throughout the scriptures on every page is this God's echoing voice that says he's come to call his children home. So the what of your life is already off the table. You don't, that is settled. You and I get to go find misplaced things. How that happens, I don't know. (laughs) Whatever career you go in, don't know. Figure it out. Like, Great, figure out wherever, however you're gifted and called and you know, crafted, but the what of your life is off the table. Some of the best pastors I've ever met have never been on church staff. Some of the best pastors I've met are teachers that walk into their classroom and love their kids. Some of the best pastors I've ever met are business owners that see that they're just not out to make a buck. There's something larger going on in that story. Some of the best pastors I've ever met are people in the medical field that take their gifts and their talented and their minds and say, God, would you use me? God, it's all yours and my life does not belong to me. I was never created for me. I was created for you and for your purposes. And so would you use my gifts and, and talents for your kingdom? But the what in your life has already been settled. And now it's really, where are you going to walk that out? Now, I forgot to finish the story at the first surface, and they were really mad at me. But the story ends with Maggie and McKaylin had sl- hid under the slide, and they come out about 15 minutes later, 10 minutes later. It seemed like eternity. Daddy, did I hide good? I was like, "Get over here!" You know, want to wring her little neck? Oh, don't you know, Daddy loves you so much? You know. uh. Isn't that a father's heart? Isn't a father's heart to find lost things? So a little bit of homework for us this week. Are you all ready for a little bit of homework? A couple of things for us. Um, what if we took the words of Pappy serious? That it's not enough just to, to feel it, but you got to say it too. Like you got to be somebody that tells the people what the what, – got to tell your wife you love them. you got to tell the ones that you love them you love them. You can't just feel it. Let's not be people of just actions as important as those are. But would we have the, the courage this week to do a couple things? Number one, we've talked about this before, and it's getting into the community blood. And I want it to be part of the regular DNA of us. But would you pray, Lord, include me? Every single morning on my phone, I have an alarm that goes off at 730 that says, Lord, include me. And that's my daily reminder that after I get my kids to school and I have a minute to kind of breathe, Lord, would you just include me? Whatever you're up to today, God, I just want to be a part of. Whatever's on your heart, I want to be on my heart. God, if I walk into HEB, the way I talk to my kids, the way I am with our staff, the way that I live my life, God, would you just use it all? Would you include me? Would you be willing to make that a new normal for you to begin to pray and to push into that as a daily practice? And two, maybe, maybe equally as difficult, but would you be willing to cross a boundary? You see, the gospel has crossed every boundary imaginal, imaginable. It crossed every boundary to reach you, didn't it? It it crossed every boundary, every wall that was put up, every wall that we put in place. Christ came and just knocked them down one by one. And the gospel found its way to you by not playing it safe, by not holding tight in the little circle, but by continually expanding and crossing boundaries. Would you be willing to have courage to do that? Maybe a couple of different ways for us. Um, Maybe it's you cross the boundary in your own family. Um, maybe it's, you start with living the gospel in your home, where maybe it starts with the way that you treat your kids, the way that you honor your wife, the way that you honor your husband. But would you cross the boundary? Maybe that's the boundary that you need to start with. Maybe it's, I don't know about you guys, but I got some crazy neighbors down the street from me, and it makes life real difficult for me sometimes what would it look like if instead of seeing problems you saw potential and you saw people not to not to go out and conquer but people to love what would it look like to cross the boundary of your street what would it look like to cross the boundary at work where maybe you've been working with that coworker for a really long time and you've been living a, maybe a good life in front of them but you've never spoken those words about Jesus before would you do that? Would you have the courage? You know what my prayer is for this place? I pray that this is so injected into the DNA of this place that at some point, you don't ever come back here. Like literally, like you're at the point where like, God, I'm not just crossing boundaries in my world. I'm crossing cultural boundaries. I'm crossing geographical boundaries. And the Lord has called me to Honduras and I ain't coming back. Like how beautiful would that be that we are a community? says the gospel's worth it it's worth you giving your very life to, it's worth, it's, it's a thing that you don't ever have to stop and say God what do you want me to do because it's already been told over and over and over to you so let's do this together this morning just as we close would you close your eyes for me there are Cornelius's everywhere see yours? Do you see the person that maybe or the people that God is stirring up in you right now? Would we not steal something that does not belong to us? We are debtors. We have been given so much. Now it gets to flow Let's pray this. So God, would you just use me? God, would you comfort me in my uncomfort? Would you include me in your agenda? God, to speak the name of Jesus. That all might come home. So God, do whatever you need to do to soften my heart. To break my heart for the things that break Christ's name.